welcome back to the BT Powerhouse podcast. It's Saturday morning, uh, October 21st. I, I feel like we should be doing a college game day special, uh, but just due to scheduling reasons, we, uh, we're going to be talking some basketball here on, uh, on Saturday, uh, Saturday morning in the fall, which is kind of crazy. Um, but I, I'm your host, Thomas Bendit, uh, manager of BT Powerhouse, and we should have an uh, intriguing topic on the docket today, and that's the 2017-18 Ohio State Buckeyes. And to help us break them down, we have John Richardson, who's one of the writers at BT Powerhouse. John, how's it going this morning? Oh, pretty good, Thomas. How you doing? Good, good. Sorry to wake you up so early, um, but uh, no, you know, basketball never sleeps. So, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, so uh, before uh, we jump into this, uh, John is—he's not new to the site, but I think this is your first time on our podcast. Um, so, for those who haven't checked out your stuff as much, uh, why don't you just let us know a little bit about your background and. Uh, what what brings you to uh, Big Ten Hoops? Yeah, absolutely. Um, always been a big basketball fan, um, especially college. I love the way the game's played. Um, you know, kind of in the, the Midwest here myself. I'm in Ohio, the heart of, the heart of it. Um, just I love to read and write and talk about hoops. <laughs> absolutely. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Same here and uh, – we should have, we should have an intriguing one on uh, the docket today. I know I said that already, but um, Ohio State coming off a a lackluster 2016-17 season, the Buckeyes go 17 and 15 overall, fail to make the NCAA tournament, fail to make the NIT, and probably in the biggest gut punch of the season, end it with a loss to Rutgers in the Big Ten tournament uh, for the Scarlet Knights' first Big Ten tournament win ever. Uh, as a program. Um, so obviously last season wasn't the best, um, but uh, the team, they make a coaching change after the season. There's some roster movement. Um, I always like to start with a look back at last year before we dive into this season. Um, John, what, what did you think of last year as an overall season, and how do you think that impacts the program as they moved into this off season and prepare to move into this season? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, last season was, yeah, at the very least, a disappointment. <laughs> um, a program like Ohio State is, uh, you know, traditionally, you know, especially in the last, you know, 10 years has been 10, 12 years. They've, they've been a, a real powerhouse, uh, bringing in a lot of top talent, um, you know, being on the national stage. Okay. And then to kind of just do what they did last year, especially like you said, um, the way they capped that, losing losing to Rutgers, um, all due respect to Ruggers, I knew they're doing a lot of good stuff. They're 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 building, um, but when you watch them play, that's that's not a team that you can lose to in the Big Ten tournament. Um, so so really that that was emblematic of of their their problems as a whole. Um, a lot of a lot of issues with consistency, a lot of issues with turnovers. Um, a very athletic, talented team, um, but they they just weren't sharp. They lost a lot of close games. Um, and, and again, with the whole recruiting situation too, um, they weren't getting it done on the recruiting trail. Uh, a lot of these things all together, Thad Mata's health, and then you know, obviously with with them parting ways with him, um, just just a situation of a lot of turmoil. Um, bringing in Chris Holtman obviously was 
I still think it's it was kind of a gamble. I mean, he's definitely an up-and-coming coach, but he still doesn't have quite the track record as you might think. Um, but bringing him in, he, he righted this ship pretty quickly. Um, you know, Justin Aarons is a guy that's kind of like a pretty good symbol of what he was able to do. Justin Aarons had committed to Ohio State, decommitted, um, and, 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 and he was able to get him back. And that's that's not common. Um, so I think that's definitely something to look at in terms of him grab, getting the program, grabbing hold of it, and, and riding the ship quickly. So that's definitely something to look forward to coming up this season. Yeah, fair enough. And, you know, the Holtman hire I, I think was a, a big one just because, um, you know, early on a lot of the media reports were out that, uh, you know, some of the coaches Ohio State was targeting were, in my opinion, not exactly top caliber. So it was uh, pretty – had to be pretty exciting for Ohio State fans to reel in Holtman. Although, as you mentioned, you know, he's certainly a younger coach. We'll see sort of how he grows into this new role. But he is a Midwest guy coming over from Butler, has a long history in the region. He's recruited well. He's shown that he can develop guys who are not elite five-star prospects, which is something that, you know, fair or not, I think Thad Mata and his staff struggled with over the last couple of years. And, you know, maybe that's just – bad luck on the recruiting trail. Um, but a lot of times, you know, they bring in a high three-star guy, a high four-star, or not high four-star, excuse me, just your normal four-star guy, and have a lot of trouble elevating their game much from when they got in, in my opinion. Um, so Absolutely. I, I think that's a, an exciting – yeah, I think that's an exciting sign. And the other thing which, you know, doesn't pertain a ton to this season, but Mata and his staff really struggled with the state of Ohio recruiting. Um, they missed on a lot of guys who went on to do big, big things. And moreover, when they did hit on the guys, they usually didn't live up to the hype, uh, I guess is, is to put it uh, <laughs> as lightly as I can. But, I mean, some of the names uh, you look at, you know, players they've missed recently, Nigel Hayes, Trey Burke, Karis LeVert, uh, Luke Kennard, who went to Duke, so maybe that's one you can kind of understand. Um, you know, obviously Duke's name speaks for itself, but but I mean a guy, especially to me, and and this is going back a little bit, but uh, you know Trey Burke, growing up in Columbus, a guy who would have died to get an Ohio State offer, uh, for Ohio State to pass by him, and then for him to go on to what he did at Michigan, it clearly has to be a a frustrating thing for for Buckeye fans, and we'll see. Um, you know, how, how Holtman can sort of reverse that trend if he can. And, uh, again, won't have a big impact on this season, but moving on, I, I think that's what has to excite you as far as the long-term recruiting goes. But, of course, you know, uh, so last season, not exactly the best uh, overall. Um, and Ohio State now is transitioning into this season, but they are losing some players from last year's team. Um, you know, to start off with, they're losing Loving, uh, Trevor Thompson, as well as uh, Lyle and um, David Bell, who, who transferred out from the program. I don't think I'm missing anyone there. Um, John, any any thoughts on these off-season departures? How they're going to impact the team? Um, and any you know concerns Ohio State fans might have about these? Yeah, absolutely. Um, for for one, uh, the Jaquan Lyle, excuse me, Jaquan Lyle thing was was very interesting. Um, you know, that's a guy that definitely had the talent, um, 
played pretty well for the most part, but maybe not as you know well as you'd think given how high his uh, recruitment was. Um, but you know he got in trouble with you know I, I believe it was you know disorderly conduct, um, and then and then we come to find that he had already quit the team. Just that, just a real strange situation there, um, and that might have you know I'm speculating here that might have contributed to some sort of part of their issues. There, there was obviously some sort of disconnect there. Um, so he's he's transferring out, um, and then and then Loving definitely hurts as well. Um, that's a guy that th- their offense ran through him a pretty good amount. Really versatile guy, especially shooting the ball from three. Um, he was tremendous there. But one thing I will say, um, losing guys like that, but 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 who they're bringing in is is the important part. Um, a guy like Caleb Wesson that's coming in. Um, Really big physical guy, uh, more in the vein of like what Trevor Thompson did last year for them interior, on the interior, but I think he's much better. Um, to me, he's more of like a Nick Ward type for uh, Michigan State. Um, so while, yes, they're losing, you know, a shooter, they're losing a ball handler, they're losing kind of their interior presence, they're, they're bringing in a young guy here that's going to kind of change that mentality. Um, I think that's going to be big for him. And I think they're going to be a more physical half-court team as opposed to up-and-down athletic team. So that should be interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I was going to just jump into the uh, the new arrivals as well. So you're uh, you're a step ahead of me this morning. Apparently I need a, a little more <laughs> coffee. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I think as far as the off-season departures, um, I'll be honest, I think they're pretty substantial. Uh you know, Loving obviously played major, major minutes for the Buckeyes last year. In fact, 84.5% yeah, of team minutes. Uh, probably the team's most consistent outside shooter, uh, as well as Trevor Thompson was clearly the team's best guy up front. And really he came on and had some really nice games towards the end of the season. Uh, so I think his loss might be bigger than fans are thinking right now just based on his career. And, and as you mentioned, that Lyle situation was uh, certainly unfortunate. Um, hopefully he's, he's figuring things out for himself. I know originally he was going to quit basketball, and now he's transferring. I, it's very peculiar, but he is uh, – for Ohio State fans, he's gone. I guess that's the, the important part uh, at the end of the day. Um, and Bell, who was projected to be sort of a reserve guy who could develop over time, is gone as well. So, I mean – I don't want to say the roster is gutted because there are still some nice guys coming back. And in particular as well, you know, Jay Sean Tate coming back uh, totally from injury, uh, him and Bates Diop, I I think that's a huge thing to keep an eye on. Um, Both of those guys had their struggles with injury last year. So, I mean, there are some pieces coming back, but they're losing a lot. Um, I think that's the first thing to start off with. But as you mentioned, you know, they are bringing in, um, according to 247, the Big Ten's top recruiting class uh, for 2017. I've said on these podcasts before, I, I sometimes I have issues with the uh, recruiting class rankings because they're a lot of times they're more based on quantity versus quality. But um, Ohio State does have some nice guys coming in. Uh, Caleb Wesson, as you mentioned, a bigger guy up front. In theory, you hope he can come in, contribute like a Nick Ward, replace some of those lost contributions from Trevor Thompson. But the one that I am uh, very excited to watch is Kyle Young. Uh, He's another Ohio kid. Um, 
Ohio State's actually bringing in the top two kids in the state of Ohio. So, you know, talking about that Ohio State, the state of Ohio recruiting, excuse me, um, <laughs> this is clearly a, a good sign. And I really liked Young's game a lot. He was recruited by all the Midwest powers. I think he's going to be able to start instantly. I think he can contribute either at the three or the four. Um, bigger body, but he can shoot. He can move with the ball. Um, I, I think he's physical, physically ready to play in the Big Ten, which I think is good news for an Ohio State team that is losing uh, two to three starters, depending on how you count Lyle. Um, I think that's that's big news uh, for the Buckeyes, um, as well as they bring in uh, Jala, who's probably going to either redshirt or be limited. But um, those are some nice contributions in that form. And as well, they are adding some transfers, which is probably uh, might be the most unusual transfer I've ever seen. Uh, and that is Andrew Dockage, who's transferring as a redshirt uh, senior from Michigan to Ohio State. Um, any thoughts on this? Uh, how weird is it? Um, and uh, do you think he, he's going to play or contribute this year? Um, well, you definitely, you, you said it right. It, it's, it's, it's strange. <laughs> not, not your common, not your common occurrence there. Um, uh, you know, he might, he, he's going to get some minutes. Um, like we were just saying, Lyle was their primary ball handler last year, uh, with him gone. Um, really they only have one true point guard on the roster in terms of a guy that played last year. I mean, they have, they have Lane, he kind of handled the ball. Uh, they brought in Fulton, um, from over uh, Holman did with him from from Butler, but yeah, CJ Jackson's there. Outside of that, um, yeah, I think I think he'll come in and, and get some minutes in the backcourt. Um, yeah, so I, I think we'll see him out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it'll be um, it's gonna it's gonna be unusual, like I said. Uh, but Dockage, I, I can tell you from at least the the Michigan side of things, he was not going to be renewed for his fifth year. Uh, Michigan had some younger guys coming in. He, he originally walked on to Michigan's roster. Uh, he had received a scholarship last season. I don't know if you remember, there was like a video that went viral, how they gave it. You know, those are always fun to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he uh, – so he was on scholarship, but he was not going to get renewed for a fifth year, and he certainly was not going to play. Michigan has like two, three – uh, maybe even four guys who would be on the depth chart above him. Uh, probably not four, but at least three. Um, and basically, uh, he, he was originally recruited by Chris Holtman uh, when he was still at Butler. So they had had a relationship. Ohio State needed depth at point guard. Dockage decided, okay, I'll go over there and play for a year. Um, it's, like I said, uh, and we both have said here, it's odd. It's very unusual. Um, but nonetheless, uh, he's going to play. He's going to play off the bench and, um, you know, a nice experienced player who's going to do things uh, the right way. So I, I think Ohio State fans can't complain there. Um, you know, Holtman's trying everything he can here to, to fill out the roster, I guess. Um, yeah, definitely. But, uh, but, yeah, so, so, so with that, you know, we've talked about, you know, uh, last year's team, who's coming, who's going. Um, so let's, let's jump into the team itself a little bit. You know, as we come into the season, there's obviously a lot of optimism with a new coach. You know, fans are always excited about what, what a new coach can bring. However, there are the legitimate concerns of the fact that this team went 17-15 and 15 last year. They lost a lot of their roster. Um, they really haven't been 
a top tier team in a couple of years. Uh, what what are some things that you are optimistic about about this year's team? What are some things that fans should be concerned about? Um, I, I guess what what's sort of the blueprint as far as that goes uh, coming into the season for you? Well, um, in terms of optimism, um, you had already kind of touched on it earlier. I mean, the fact that Jay Sean Tate's going to be there um, to to me is enormous. He's he's a guy that can do just about everything on the court. Um, he's a really strong rebounder. You know, great ball handler. He's got good passing vision. He he attacks the rim really well, um, really aggressively, and he finishes um, great on the defensive side. He does a little bit of everything. Um, he he's a guy that really I think they're going to rely on. Um, you know, he's going to be the anchor of the team, so that's kind of exciting. You know, he had also mentioned uh, Bates Giop is coming back off that injury. Um, super athletic guy. They have Cam Williams coming back, so that's a pretty good. It's a pretty good wing scenario there. Um, also, really, you know, they, they do have some players from last year that played big minutes. Maybe not big minutes, but they but they had a pretty big role. You know, in C.J. Jackson, Andre Wesson, Micah Potter. Um, if, if those guys can, can step into bigger roles and play well, um, that's really going to alleviate a lot, of, a lot of the uncertainty and possible concerns this team will have. Uh, and then, of course, you know, we just mentioned the freshmen. Depending on how well they play, they're, they're going to be relied on. They, they're in good situations. It's, it's going to be a wait and see on those guys, though. But really, um, one thing that Ohio State was, was very poor at last year was just overall consistency and efficiency. Um, they turned the ball over a lot. Um, they were, in, in terms of offensive efficiency, you know, they were, like, ranked 134. Not great turnover margin. They're down towards the bottom at like 252. Um, but when you look at a team like Butler last year, one thing they did really well, they weren't necessarily great at rebounding, shooting, defense across the board. They were okay, but what they were great at was efficiency. Um, you know, 21st in offensive efficiency, 22nd turnover margin. Um, you know, they shot really well from the field. So if 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 these guys that are already on the roster can elevate their play, um, and Holtman comes in and and runs, you know, clean, efficient offense. Um, I, I think they're going to be in good shape. Um, but, but as you mentioned, it's the, they lost a lot of what they had last year in terms of minutes, players. Um, so the uncertainty is there. I mean, these guys, we could come in; these freshmen could could look like they're not ready. Um, you know, these these players that were role players last year might not be ready to step into to more primary roles. Um, and of course, with with Tate and Bates Giop, you, you never know about injuries. So those are some things that uh, that kind of look at uh, look at look like concerns to me. Yeah, for me, you know, opti- reasons for optimism. The first one is, as we discussed before, I mean, new coaches. It, it's always going to bring optimism. Maybe it's unfounded. I don't know. Uh, I, I think Holtman has a, a nice track record. You know, although short. Uh, but I, I said this on our, our previous podcast, you know, with Indiana, you know, a new voice in the room. I, I'm a believer in the concept that I think a new coach always has like a momentary boost. Um, just it, it's a fresh, you know, there's a freshness, there's a new excitement. Um, it, things change up a little bit. Maybe they use a guy in a different role where he was never used before. Um, 
I'm not I'm, I'm not saying it necessarily leads to long-term success, but I think there's always a jumble there, so to speak, when you have a new coach, and, and sometimes it can just put a shot of energy into the program. Um, other than that, as far as optimism, you know, as you mentioned, you know, Tate, Bates, Diop, those are really nice players to start off with. Um, Cam Williams as well. I, I think that's a nice three-man group. Uh, C.J. Jackson certainly had experience last year. He played a lot. Uh, Potter played a lot, too. So, I mean, you have two guys at the other spots who at least have some experience you can start. Um, as far as reasons for concern, though, I, I think the first one is, is uh, as I said, I don't want to use the term gutted because I don't think the offseason departures were that substantial um, based on what was on the roster. But but this roster is taking, like, a, a punch straight to the face as far as, you know, lost contributions. And it went 17 and 15 last year. Uh, so these – it's a little amplified, you know, when you're talking about that. Um, the other thing is, is I'm, I'm not as, as confident that this freshman class, other than Young, is going to contribute instantly. You know, maybe I'm underestimating Wesson. You know, maybe uh, some of these guys can surprise. But my anticipation is Kyle Young's going to get major minutes. The other two will contribute off the bench uh, or be in red shirtish roles. Um, last year's uh, freshmen, uh, you know, like Wesson, uh, Andre, um, and uh, well, that's Andre Wesson. Sorry, they're brothers, so it's a little confusing. Um, and, uh, uh, Potter, um, Potter, I'm I'm not as confident that those guys have super high ceilings. Um, I I was not a huge fan of Ohio State's recruiting class last year. So, I mean, um, we'll see. You know, maybe maybe these, this is the year those guys can take a step forward. Um, but I'm not insanely optimistic about those guys. And I, I think the other – the third thing, you know, outside of just general roster construction here is that point guard position is thin. Um, you know, as much as I talked about Andre uh, <laughs> uh, Dockage, excuse me, um, a couple minutes ago uh, – there's a reason Michigan did not renew his fifth year. Um, he was he was a walk-on who got a scholarship, you know, because he earned it over his career. But um, Michigan, when they had to play him during his career, he wasn't exactly a uh, uh, John Wall or something out there. I'll put it I'll put it that way. Um, and so I, I think if you're expecting him to play significant minutes, which I have to think he that's the anticipation right now because I don't know why else you would bring him in if you're not anticipating that. Um, Andrew Dockage, I think, can play five to ten minutes a game and be a functional guy on the court in Big Ten play. If you're going to play him over ten minutes a game, I think you're going to be in trouble. Uh, that's my opinion. Maybe Dockage can prove me wrong. You know, Certainly, I, I wish him the best, but uh, I, I would say – that would be a concern for me. I, and I, the other thing, too, is, you know, a lot of these players, I mentioned some of the freshmen last year, but I'm not sure how high their ceilings are. I, I think some of the most talented guys on the team, like Lyle and Thompson, you know, I thought they had the highest ceilings of anyone on last year's team, um, and they're both gone now. So, I mean, as yeah. much as you might have certain guys who are more proven and a little more consistent, um, you're losing that sort of high-end uh, potential a little bit with those guys, but um, so I, I would say those are the the spots I'm optimistic about. The spots I'm uh, a little skeptical about as we move into this season. 
Um, but, you know, another thing I, I'd like to get into it before we dive into uh, the actual lineup and, and the team itself is uh, sort of the top player. You know, as I've said on every one of these podcasts so far this season, I'm a huge believer in star players at the college level. Uh, I do not think you can win at a high level without a star player, or it's exceedingly rare. Um, so I, I think it's very important to determine who's the best guy in your team, how good is that guy. Um, so as we move into this season, I don't think there was a clear guy last year that you could say, oh, this guy was the best guy on Ohio State's team by you know, a substantial margin. Um, so that, that's going to leave some uncertainty as you move into this year. Um, but what do you think of this? Do you think there's a guy who's going to lead the, the race for the top player on, on Ohio State's roster, uh, or do you think it's going to be pretty open? Um, yeah, I definitely think it's, it's going to be Jay Sean Tate. Um, just in terms – when you when you look at the roster, it, it almost has to be. Because um, you kind of touched on it there too. You know, last year there wasn't that guy. You know, there was a little bit of Loving. There was a little bit of Lyle, a little bit of Tate. Um, you know, Bates Giop's kind of in that conversation too, but granted he was, uh, you know, injured for most of the year. So given that we're going into this year with, there really is no other second guy. I mean, it, to me, it's Tate. Um, they're going to ask him to do everything, you know, you know, under the sun, he's going to play a lot of minutes. Um, and, and speaking to that point guard, uh, void, we were just discussing there. Um, you know, he, he's going to be a guy they're going to rely on that too, um, Something Holtman's talked about, something Tate's been talking about recently. So we'll probably see him in that in that point guard role as well, um, with with Jackson on the bench. So just given his versatility, what he can do, um, he'll he'll be all over the court. And, and to me, that you know, he, he's this is his third year. He's going to be a team captain. Um, it, it, this is his team to me. We still there, Thomas? Sorry about that. I accidentally got muted. Oh, no. um, That's like, uh... <laughs> technical issues. This is the yeah. uh, this is the danger of a of a live podcast. Um, but anyway, apologies <laughs> about that. Uh, but oh, as I was fun. saying, into a muted mic. Um, I did want to. I did want to know. Uh, I agree. I, I think Tate is leading the race, quote unquote, because obviously it's, it's not actually a race, but I think he's leading this race coming into this season. Um, but I did want to clarify one thing. I do think I misspoke regarding Tate's injuries, injury history. It was the year prior when he missed like the last six or seven games of the year. That's what I was thinking of. Um, not necessarily missing a ton of last season, um, but but jumping back into uh, this. Yeah, Tate, I, I think, is the top guy coming in. I, I think the big challengers, obviously, could be uh, Williams or uh, Bates-Diop specifically. Um, I think Bates-Diop has a, has a pretty high-end potential if he develops. But at the same time, you know, you do have to wonder. Uh, he's coming into uh, what I believe is his, his third or fourth year with the program. Um so, I mean, you have to wonder about how much more is sort of, you know, how much meat is left on the bone, so to speak. Um, it's it's interesting. Um, but I, I think it's Tate and then Bates Diop and then, 
if there's going to be a, a wild card here, it'll probably be, uh, you know, maybe maybe Kyle Young can come in and hit the ground running. I That's probably putting a little bit too much pressure on him, but I do think it's Tate and um, followed by Bates Diop and, and maybe Williams or a freshman can, can make some noise. But that's that's how I, I would say I see it at this point. But um, moving forward, so, we, we you know, we've hit on top player, what to be optimistic about, concerns, who's in and out. Um, let's dive into the schedule here uh, for a minute or two. And I, I know it's always a, uh, <laughs> um, a challenging endeavor, so to speak, to try to predict the schedule before the season starts. I mean, some teams that you think are going to be great end up not being so great. And, uh, you know, as an example I've been using on these, you know, Indiana was projected to win the Big Ten before last season or compete right there. They end up making the NIT. So you never know. But Ohio State, they non-con schedule. They're going to get Clemson at home in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. They're going out west for this uh, Nike Invitational, the Phil Knight Tournament. They're going to get open up with Gonzaga, uh, the defending – well, they're not defending, uh, but the national runners-up last year. And then they're going to play either Florida or Stanford. Florida, another team that went deep into last year's tournament. They're going to get uh, Robert Morris, Northeastern at home. Um, any any thoughts regarding the non-conference schedule? Oh, I should I, – I left this one out, but Ohio State's also going to play North Carolina, the actual defending national <laughs> yeah. champion, um, right before Christmas. Um, so any thoughts on the non-con schedule? Uh, what should fans be excited about? What should they be, uh, I guess, concerned about uh, regarding this schedule? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's there's certainly some excitement there. You just mentioned it. I mean, they're playing the, the national champs and the runner-up. Um, that's not – I don't feel like that that happens all that much. So there's definitely going to be some, some serious competition early. Um, Clemson, honestly, I'm not too sure how they're projected out, but um, – yeah, I mean, other than that, a couple of those names are, you know, Texas Southern, stuff like that, Northeastern, um, mm-hmm. just your typical, you know, you know, puff, puff teams. Um, but those, but those other three, yeah, those, those are some serious games. Um, that's that'll be interesting because we'll we'll know pretty quickly um, if, if this team's going to be able to hang. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree. This is one of those schedules where um, how do I want to put it. Uh, I, I have, uh, in terms of uh, conspiracy theories, I am probably the biggest conspiracy theorist out there regarding non-conference scheduling. Um, <laughs> and I, I say that jokingly, obviously, but I think, uh, I think most of these schedules are intended with a specific purpose. And you can usually tell what the coaching staff and administration thinks, whether they think they're going to be a, a top-end contender or whether they think they're just trying to compile some wins. Uh, this one is oddly set. Uh, there's a lot of games against teams that, frankly, uh, are by games. And then the top end of the schedule is insanely difficult. Uh, you know, yeah. North Carolina, Gonzaga, likely Florida. I mean, you're talking about three teams that were deep into last year's tournament are expected to be really good again this season. So, I mean um, – I, I this is I don't think Ohio State is going to come out of this necessarily uh, unblemished. I'll, I'll put it that way, and I think um, they're going to have a nice record though because I think they're going to be able to beat a lot of these teams um, in the quote unquote 
buy games, but we'll see. I mean, it's always – it can be difficult to predict some of these mid-major teams or, you know, which teams are going to rise up. But my anticipation is Ohio State will have a pretty nice non-conference record, but I think they're going to have few wins that will really improve the team's overall resume. But Big Ten play, you know, obviously we all know how difficult uh, Big Ten play is going to be this season. Fans generally know what to expect. You know, we all know who's in the Big Ten, uh, who you're going to be playing most of the time. Um, do you have any any takeaways uh, from Big Ten play? They they do get Iowa twice. They don't have to play Michigan State on the road. Um, they're at Michigan late in the year, at Indiana late in the year. Um, any thoughts on the on the Big Ten slate? Like you mentioned it, I mean the it's it's a gauntlet. <laughs> I mean, with yeah, Michigan State, but as as you said, at home is is nice. Um, at Northwestern, um, that, that's going to be a tough game. You know, Minnesota will be tough this year, um, and and we don't you know we don't know how Indiana is going to look, but getting them twice um, should definitely be interesting. But yeah, it's it's as as you said to me, it's 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 just tough, <laughs> just period. It's going to be for everybody. <laughs> mhm. I agree, and and the thing is, is you know when you're in Ohio State's situation, which we'll get into our our season predictions a little bit later, but when you're coming into the season without you know major NCAA tournament projections, things of that nature, um, really this is going to be about two things. Number one, winning the games that you can win. You know, games like they're going to play Rutgers, uh, <laughs> which which as we discussed before. <laughs> They're going to have a decent shot at winning. They get Illinois. They get Nebraska. Um, they get Penn State twice. So, I mean, overall, like, there are a decent amount of wins here that are possible. And, you know, what I always use is, like, if you're talking about percentages here, you know, these games are going to range somewhere between 35 to uh, 65% likelihood of winning, which means you're going to have a solid fighting chance coming into the games versus, you know, for instance, February 7th, they play at Purdue. Uh, the odds of winning that game are going to be pretty low. Uh, so I, sure. I think yeah. what this is about is, you know, try to get as many of those quote-unquote winnable games as you can. And, you know, for Ohio State, try to score an upset or two. You know, try to put a positive spin on the season. You know, maybe that can vault you into the NIT or something of that nature. And, and you can sort of keep building as, as you go forward. So, It'll be interesting. Ohio State, they'll have, certainly have opportunities. I mean, when you play the two teams that were in last year's national championship game and uh, Michigan State, who's ranked number two to start this season, uh, you're going to have some shots at some quality wins. But, you know, it's not going to be easy, and it, it should be interesting to follow. But um, with that, I, w- I want to take a step back here and, and dive into the, the team itself. Um, we talked about, you know, who may be the top player, how some of the, the roster is going to shake out. Um, the starting lineup, how, how do you think the starting lineup is going to shake out for opening night? I know it's tough to tell with so many moving pieces, but uh, who do you think are the starting five on, on opening night? Um, well, yeah, it's like it's, it'll definitely be uh, interesting to take a look there. Um, certainly Tate's going to start. Um, we'll see Bates Diop and we'll see Cam Williams. Um, from there is where where the toss up is to me. Um, 
it sounds like you're pretty uh you're a little higher on young than i am i, I think he'll be tough but you know we could see possibly him in the starting lineup um i i personally think that wesson uh, caleb wesson will, will start at center um but that could just be wishful thinking <laughs> um yeah, to be honest, it's 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 a it's a pretty big toss up to me. Um you could definitely see Potter in there. Um but but I think that I think it's gonna be the freshman that 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 start that uh that front court. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me, you know, starting off I think Jackson will be the starting point guard and I think the wing oh, group yeah. is sorry, going I missed I miss Jackson. Yeah. Oh no. No problem. Um yeah, I, I think the wing group is going to be a moving process because, you know, some of the guys, for instance, like Tate can play multiple spots easily. Some of the other guys can't as much. Uh, so it's, it's going to be something to watch. My projection on opening night is Jackson. I think Cam Williams will start at the two. I think Bates Diop will start at the three, Tate at the four. And, you know, I, as much as I uh, was a little, you know, I shouldn't say critical, but you know, maybe not as high on Wesson as, as you are. I do think Caleb Wesson will uh, start later in the year, but I think on opening night it will be Potter. And, you know, as I said, I think Young is going to start. I think he's going to play starter minutes from day one, but I, I do think he will not start on day on game one, um, but I think he will play starter minutes. I think he will play 20-plus minutes, no problem, and I think he will gradually work in and force himself into the lineup, I guess. Uh, and it'll just be about, you know, how are they going to sort out Tate and Bates Diop and who goes where. So uh, that's going to be a moving process, but I think Young will certainly be the sixth man uh, this season, in in my opinion. But uh, nonetheless, I, I think it's a, it's a functional starting lineup, without a doubt. I, I think this is a, a lineup that certainly can play in the Big Ten, um, I don't know how highly uh, it will perform, but I, I, I think if you're looking at just the overall roster here, the real concern is the bench. Um, the bench is where you you look and you say, uh oh, um, you know, Young. Definitely. Based on my based on my projecting lineup, I have Young as the sixth man. But after that, I mean, uh, it starts getting a little shaky, a, a little uncertain. Um, and you're, you're really starting to reach for either true freshmen or, again, uh, dockage, guys like that to play major minutes, which is always, always a concern. Um, but So we've dove into the schedule now. Um, we've dove into the lineup. Uh, let's get to the, everyone's favorite part, and that's the, uh, the season outlook, predictions. Um, how do you think Ohio State's going to perform this season? Do they make the postseason? If they make it, where do they end up? Um, you don't have to give us an exact record, but uh, where where do you see the Buckeyes this season? Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily see them doing a whole lot better than they did last year. Um, I think we might see a slight uptick just because they're going to be, like I mentioned before, they're just going to be more just sharper. Um, I don't think we're going to see some of the same like kind of turnover issues maybe from last year. Um, I, I think that they, they they can definitely creep into the NIT. Um, maybe push 20 wins, but I don't think we're going to see a whole lot more necessarily from them this year than we did last. Um, particularly just because of what you just mentioned with the bench depth, um, just overall question marks around the, the talent they have on the roster. Um, so yeah, I, I think that they, they might be able to creep into the NIT. Um, but I think we're looking at a similar situation to last year in terms of record. Mm-hmm. 
I agree. I agree. You know, as, as I said, I, I think Ohio State has some uh, some solid players. I think they have some guys who are relatively proven. But I, I think the concern for me, as I have said a couple of times, I think the first one is I think the point guard position is going to be a major obstacle for the duration of the season. You know, and we, we haven't even talked about uh, any potential for injury here, which – you know, I never want to assume anyone's going to get hurt, and you, it's certainly impossible to predict how that will happen. But this is where that, that depth, that point guard, and moreover, the depth concerns across the board come into effect. Because, I mean, if you lose anyone, you know, you're going to be down to either a true freshman who may or may not be ready and or uh, a guy like Dockage, you know, a walk-on level player. So I, I think – I think it's going to be tough sledding specifically in the Big Ten to try to compete with uh, some of these higher-end clubs. But I, I think Ohio State will be okay. I don't think they'll be abysmal. But I do have them uh, towards the bottom of the Big Ten, and that's just because, you know, as I said, I, I think they're going to have trouble, you know, beating, uh, taking care of those quote-unquote winnable games. I think uh, they will probably get an upset maybe too just because they do have some younger talent. But uh, I, I think it's going to be tough sledding for the majority of the season. I, in my preseason projections, I have them 13th, which certainly will not uh, appeal to a ton of Ohio State fans. But um, <laughs> that's where I have them right now. I think it, I think it's going to be tough. But I think if you're an Ohio State fan, uh, you have to look for the next season, 18, 19, and beyond, because I think Holton's recruiting very well. I think I think he's going to build a great core, but. You know, it, it's it's tough to do it in one one season, especially when he was hired. He was hired so late in the off season that it was tough for him to try to put together a roster. But with that, uh, John, thanks for joining us. Um, any final thoughts here on either Ohio State or the Big Ten uh, before we let you go? Yeah, and and, and thanks for having me. I do appreciate it. Um, I I think what you just said is pretty important um, in terms of Holtman when he came in. Uh, there's not a lot of worse situations you can necessarily imagine. I mean, maybe maybe Louisville now, but um, <laughs> uh, it was just a, a lot of ter- a lot of turmoil, a lot of turnover, um, a lot of uncertainty. He he came in and he really took charge of the program. Um, really got the recruiting um, on hold, um, and, and he's done a very good job for this next class coming in. Um, so. Yeah, for Buckeyes fans, this this isn't really the year to get the hopes up in terms of success, um, which is a bummer for guys like Tate, uh, who have been there. You know, used to be his last year, and and he's played so well. But yeah, patience, um, and, and as you mentioned, next season and beyond, I think we're really going to start to see uh, this program return back to uh, to some success that we've seen in the past. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, well, thanks for joining us, John. We appreciate it. Um, where can people follow you on Twitter? Yeah, I'm uh, at JonathanRich88. Um, that's uh, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N. It's a pretty common misspelling. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I'm on there. Um, yeah, give me a follow. Check out some stuff. Uh, of course, you can find uh, my writings at BT Powerhouse all season. So Definitely. Well, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, thanks again for having me. and. Uh, yeah, have a good one. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, man. Um, 
As a reminder, everyone, that's uh, John Richardson. He writes for BT Powerhouse. You can check him out on the site. does great work for us. Um, and he, uh, he sort of leads our, our quote-unquote beat on Ohio State. So if you're a Buckeye fan, definitely worth checking out his stuff. Uh, but with that, I'm going to call it a, a day here for uh, the BT Powerhouse podcast. My name is Thomas Bendit. You can follow me on Twitter at TBendit. Uh, check out BT Powerhouse. Our preview stuff is uh, going nuts, <laughs> as they say in the business. And we'll see you all next time. Thanks.